So good to see you, Upward Family. You can be seated today. Happy Easter. Easter. He is risen. He is risen. We want to welcome everybody today. We've been packed out this week. We almost had 500 people here on Thursday night. So, man, it was full in here. So good to see you guys on this beautiful Easter weekend. Want to welcome everybody here. Our friends, our family, want to welcome our online guests. We have a number of people who who visit with us and are part of this church online every week. Let's give them a big hand of appreciation. This will be be the largest attended weekend in our history, and we're very excited about that. Now, today I'm going to start a little awkward. There's a rumor out in the community about me that I need to address today, and I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Uh, I went to CrossFit this week. And uh, I've been going to CrossFit once a week. I'm not a fanatic, just once a week. This week, I went on, just to be exact, I went on Wednesday. And uh, the coach is a good friend of mine, a good buddy. He's the leader of the class. And I showed up, and he was there. And it was me and four women in the class. We were the students. So the coach, you're not taking this seriously at all, are you? Um, The coach said to start the class today, our warm-up is going to be, we're going to go out of the building, and we're going to run down the Greenville Highway And he pointed way down. He said, go to that stop sign and turn around at that stop sign and come back, and we're going to do two laps. So being the gentleman that I am, I let the ladies go first. So they're running, and I'm behind them running down the street. And I was praying the whole time, saying, Jesus, I know 85% of Henderson County, and so somebody's going to see me out here. So, Lord, just block their eyes from seeing this. So... um, I no sooner got back to class than I started getting text messages demanding to know why the pastor of Upward Christian Fellowship was chasing women down the Greenville (laughs) Highway. So I wanted to stop that rumor right now today. (laughs) What a good way to start Easter, right? This weekend is Easter weekend, and on Easter weekend we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The most important... The number one most important event in all of human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, if you are a skeptic, if you're curious, if you consider yourself a spiritual seeker that has not yet found the truth, I want to challenge you to ask one question that I believe is the most important question that a seeker of truth can ask. And here's the question. Did Jesus Christ really raise from the dead? Did he really resurrect from the tomb? That is the key question for you to understand. That is the key question for you to answer. Is this resurrection business true or is it a lie? You see, if Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead, it changes absolutely everything. If he didn't raise from the dead, then all this is meaningless, all this is useless, the Christian faith is just a a nice way of thinking, there's no real truth behind it. If Jesus did not truly raise from the dead, then we just need to go home right now and not even have this day, or anymore. We can just close up shop because the whole thing means nothing. But if he did rise from the dead... That's something we got to pay attention to. If a man who claimed to be the Son of God predicted in detail his death and resurrection, even to the point of how long it would take him to come out of the grave, if someone can do that and hit it exactly and come back from the dead, I think you and I got to pay attention to him. 
And I think it tells me that everything else that he said is true. The resurrection changes everything. If you are a skeptic, a seeker, and trying to find out truth, I want to recommend an older book, but a great book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. The Case for Christ is a journalist, honest investigation to find out if the claims of Jesus Christ are actually true. And it's a fantastic book. It'll help you on your journey. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. I highly recommend it to you today. Today we're celebrating the resurrection from the dead of Jesus. But we wanted to take a couple steps back in the story to talk about a part of this story that is often neglected. And it's the waiting We celebrate big time on Good Friday. We celebrate and commemorate the fact that Jesus died for us. And that is a wonderful fact that Jesus took our place on the cross and took our sin onto himself. We celebrate on this day, on Sunday, that Jesus defeated death, that he rose from the dead, conquering death forever, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate that. So we're celebrating on Friday. We're celebrating on Sunday Now, nobody does a whole lot on Saturday. Why? Because Saturday's the day of waiting. Jesus said, they're going to kill me, they're going to crucify me, and three days later, I will rise. We don't celebrate this Saturday, but God just laid it on our heart at Upward. Now, it's so easy to celebrate on Easter, right? You've got a wonderful story. I mean, it's hard to mess up Easter. I'm going to do my best this morning. It's hard to mess up Easter. He rose from the dead. But often we don't take into account the three days in between. We don't celebrate anything on Saturday because Saturday is just a day of waiting. And nobody likes to wait. In America, we don't like to wait. It's un-American to wait. I mean, we got a national monument called Rushmore. I hate to wait. I was in this huge amusement park recently, and they had a new ride that I really wanted to ride. All the cool kids were riding it. I want to be one of the cool kids. It was just fun. It looked like so much fun, and I really wanted to get on that ride. But I I looked up, and the wait time to get on that ride, apparently everybody wanted to ride it because it was a two-hour line. I'm just telling y'all, folks, there's very little on this earth. I'm going to get in a two-hour line. But they had an option. The owners of this amusement park are really, really smart. They know how to take my money. They had an option that we could pay Alexa and I $14 a piece, and the line would only be 15 minutes. I'm like, take my money. I will pay 28, I'm, I'm stingy, but I'll pay $28 to not have to wait. To reduce my wait from two hours, 15 minutes, $28, anytime. Amen. The truth is this, life is full of waiting. We're going to wait in traffic, we're going to wait in the checkout line, we're going to wait for a table. When we go up to a restaurant, what is the question we ask? We pull up, this is what I do, I pull up to the door, let Alexa out at the door, and I say, ask one question. How long is the wait? You ever ask God that question? How long is the wait? They say 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Can I just throw this in for free, by the way? 
when you're at a restaurant and the wait is long in the times we live in, don't get mad at the people who showed up for work. Celebrate them. Everybody is understaffed right now. The people that show up deserve a hand of appreciation. And if they say it's going to be 45 minutes, say, I understand, and I'll wait patiently. I'm not taking it out on you because you're here. Amen. Life is full of waiting. Here's the other thing we've got to understand as Christ followers. Christ followers have to wait as well. We have to wait. You have a sickness, and you're believing God to heal you, and you wait. You need a job, and you're waiting on God to provide that job, and you wait. Your kids are a mess, and you're believing God to change your kids' lives, and you wait. And in that time of waiting, it is so easy to get disillusioned with God. Let's just be honest about it. When God is making me wait for whatever reason, it's easy to get disillusioned. It's easy to think maybe you missed God and you don't really understand what's going on. It's easy to think that God just can't really solve the problem. Maybe you even think God doesn't care anymore. In a time of waiting, maybe you've gone to the place that you wonder if God's even there anymore. In your time of waiting. We really wanted to celebrate the resurrection big today. And it's so easy to have a pep rally and say, yes, go, go, go. It's so wonderful. But God laid on our hearts this morning that there's so many people in our family who are in a time of waiting in between the cross and the resurrection. And God spoke to our hearts to address that time of waiting. We have a testimony here today from a precious family, from Tabitha, precious lady in our congregation that got some bad news recently, and they're in that period of waiting. Let's hear from Tabitha quickly this morning. Hi, my name is Tabitha, and on January 27th, I was on my way home from church when a young girl crossed the double yellow line and hit my car. What seemed at the time like a huge bump in the road for me later turned out to be the event that God would use to save my life. On Valentine's Day, I went back to the doctor to get him to check a spot for my seatbelt injury that was still causing me some issues. I thought a piece of my sternum had broke off. He didn't like it and sent me for some diagnostic imaging, and I went on Monday. Two days later, I had a biopsy of the area, and two days later, on March the 4th, around 2.10, um, while I was at work, I got a call from the doctor that I had breast cancer. I remember him asking me to write down the type of breast cancer it was, and he asked me if I had picked up the pen and if I was writing. He got a little louder and told me to pick up the pen. I picked it up and wrote it down, and he asked me to read it back to him. After we hung up, I started crying, and all that I could think of was all these horrible scenarios of what could possibly play out. And I went and got Eric and told him what the doctor had said, and he just held me and cried while I wailed and I know that the whole office heard me. I was so sad and so mad and I didn't think that it was okay for me to be 43 and have to fight this. I didn't think it was okay for me to be on the verge of being married for 24 years and my husband having to start living out the in sickness part of our vows. And I didn't think it was okay for my boys and I didn't think it was okay for my parents and I just didn't think that it was okay. We're praying for Tabitha and her family. She's here Thursday night. She was here, and you'll hear from her later today. The question is, what do we do when we're in a season of waiting? When we're in between the cross and the grave in the three days. I'm going to give you two steps quickly this morning. What we do 
when we're in a season of waiting. Are you ready? Here's number one. Focus on the promise, not on the problem. Focus on the promise, not on the problem. Jesus had given the disciples the promise of his resurrection way before this happened. Isn't it exciting when God tells you what's going to happen before it does? Anybody wish he'd do that a little more often in your life? But there are times God tells you this is what's going to happen. And Jesus told them this in Luke 18. This is before any of this happened. Luke 18, 31 through 33 says, Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans, and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. In detail, he told them what was happening, what would happen. They will flog him with a whip and kill him, but on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus told them everything with tremendous detail. Here's what blows my mind about all this. He told them exactly what was going to happen. Beaten, flogged, whipped, spat upon, crucified, told them everything. Then he said, on the third day, I will rise again. I would have been at the tomb. Let me put it this way. I like to think I would have been at the tomb. But I can tell you this. I wish they were there. You know, we skip over the greatest event in human history. The actual event itself is not described in the Scripture because none of them were there. They should have shown up early that morning. They could have sold tickets. As all good church people know, they could have had a spaghetti supper and raised money for the new fellowship hall. They could have done all kinds of stuff. There is not one eyewitness account in all the four Gospels, the biographies of Christ. There is not one account. I want to hear the details. I want somebody to be sitting outside the tomb saying all of a sudden, I don't know, a light shone out of the tomb and the rock started to quake. Wouldn't that be great? Man, we could really preach on Easter if they'd just written all this down. The evidence is that the stone was actually away from the tomb, not just rolled away, but blown away. It's evidence is the stone was way over here. I want to know what happened. But there was no eyewitness. Why? Because they were hiding. It would have been so easy. It was so easy for them to get overwhelmed by the circumstances. Jesus is dead. The people that killed him probably wanted to kill them too. They probably thought, well, we're next. They probably thought, Jesus, did he lie about everything? Were these three years of our lives that we spent running around with him, listening to him preach, watching these miracles, was all this a lie? It is so easy to focus when you're in waiting on the problem at hand rather than the promise God has given you about your situation. But the path to victory through waiting is to focus on the promise, not on the problem. It's to stop looking at the terrible circumstances you're in and get a hold of a promise from God that you can cling to. Cling to the promise and let go of the problem and put it in God's hands and you can wait successfully. Say, Pastor, I don't have a promise yet. Well, you can get one. The Bible's full of promises from God that apply to your situation. 
get in the Bible and you'll hear a promise from God. You can be reading through your Bible. You ever experience this? You start reading the Bible and a verse just leaps off the page at you and says, boom, that's for me right now. Get in the Bible and get a promise from God. Get in fellowship with other believers and you'll get a promise from God. You need this right here regularly. I say this all the time. What happens in the hallways is important as what happens in here. Because the fellowship of God's people is important to all of us. We've been shut up and shut in and shut away for a couple of years now. Oh, I'm so thankful. This is our first Easter. We can really say we're back. Chairs are back and we're back and we're hugging each other, loving each other. You need that fellowship. Often you'll get a promise from God from some other believer in your life. So get in prayer. Get in fellowship. Get in the Word. Talk to God and He'll talk to you and you'll get a promise. And when you get a promise from God, you cling to that promise with all of your heart and with all of your life and stop focusing on the problems that are around you and your game will go to a higher level. Your waiting will go to a higher level and you can wait because you're clinging to the promise and not the problem. Second thing to do is realize this. Realize that God is working while you are waiting. God is working while you are waiting. They had to wait three days for Jesus to come back from the dead. That wasn't the longest wait in Israel's history by any means. The real wait was for Jesus to show up in the first place. How long is the wait? Did you know God promised the Messiah? Where do you think the first promise of the Messiah is in the Bible? You think it's in the New Testament? Uh, No, it's all the way back in the Old Testament. You think it's halfway through the Old Testament in the prophets? No. The the first promise of the Messiah is in the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. Do you all know God had all this figured out from the start? Genesis chapter 3, right after Adam and Eve sinned, God promised a coming Messiah. He said the serpent will bruise the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman was Jesus. The serpent was the devil. He said the serpent will bruise his heel But the man will crush the serpent's head. That's in Genesis 3.15. That was the promise of the coming Messiah. But sometimes between the promise and the provision, there's a long time. Do you know you didn't hear many more messianic promises in the scripture for a long time. The next major one we go to is all the way to the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah said, Behold, I'll show you a sign. A virgin will conceive. Isaiah said, you call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah prophesied of the Messiah. You know how long it was from the writing down of Genesis chapter 3 to Isaiah? Longer than three days. 700 years. Anybody ever waited that long? 700 years from the first promise of the Messiah to the next direct promise of the Messiah. Then from Isaiah until Jesus was actually born... Guess what? Another 700 years, roughly. So you got a period from the time he's promised till he actually comes of 1,400 years. What if you pull up to Outback Steakhouse and they say, it will be 1,400 years before we get you a table? (laughs) 1,400 years, that's a long time. But guess what? God was working in that time. God was preparing the world for the Messiah to come. Paul put it this way 
in the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. He said, but when the right time came, God sent his son. When the right time came, God sent his son. What does that mean? The King James translated a little better. When the fullness of time was come. When time was filled up, God sent his son. You know the best picture, I don't want to be crude, but the best picture of the Greek of this verb, of this passage, is a woman who's nine and a half months pregnant. You ever seen a woman who was really pregnant? I've seen women who were so pregnant, I'm like, you sure you should come to church today? This thing could happen. Have you ever been a woman who was really pregnant? And you understand that, ladies? Some of you out there, you're like, i got to have this baby now. That's the definition of the fullness of time. I'm so sorry, but the alarm on my phone is going off. It's telling me to share the service on Facebook which is not at 9.30 today, but it's at 9. That's why that's going off. You needed to know that, didn't you? <laughs> Fullness of time is a woman who's just about to have a baby. What this is saying is God brought his son to earth when everything was ready. When things were perfectly ready. What was God doing? He was working while the world was waiting. How many think God has it figured out and he sent his son at the very perfect time to earth? If you're going to send your son to earth, you want to send him to earth. If you're going to bring the greatest message ever brought to earth, you want to bring it to earth at the perfect time when it can spread. Here's what God was doing. About 300 years before Christ, there arose a man called Alexander the Great. You ever heard of him? Alexander the Great conquered his whole known world. At a very young age, he conquered the whole world. And then died young. His kingdom was divided up among three generals. And those three divisions still have impact on our world today. But Alexander the Great was Greek. He conquered the whole world. And guess what happened as a result of his conquest? The Greek language spread all over the world. And for the first time in, in, since the Tower of Babel, for the first time, one common language united the world. Then came a group called the Romans. And they conquered the Greeks. And the Romans were famous for building what? Roads. The Romans built roads everywhere. And Jesus was born when? When the world was united in a common language. And when roads were all over the world so the message could go out everywhere. Jesus was born at the perfect time for his message to spread all over the earth. Why? God was working while they were waiting. In the Greek, there are two conceptions of time. One of them, two words, there are more than two, but there are two we're going to look at, words for time in the Greek language. That's the original language of the New Testament. One of them is chronos. That's how we see time. You've ever heard of a chronometer? You ever heard of chronology? Chronos is how we see time. It's linear. It's moving forward in hours and days and months and years. But there's a second word for time that I love in the Greek. It's called kairos. And kairos is a whole different conception of time. It's not just marking time. Kairos is an appointed time that God has set for something to happen. Kairos is when God is about to bring the answer, the solution, 
He's going to move this thing forward on his calendar. You see, we live day by day walking through Kronos, and we're waiting for that Kairos moment to come when God says, this is it. Here's what I've learned about what God's doing in the waiting. We want to fix the problem. God wants to fix us. I want him to be working on it. And through my waiting, he's working on me. In your chronos is coming a kairos moment. In your waiting is coming a moment when God's going to show up and do what you've been waiting on him to do. It may be different. It may be a different way than you thought. But you're going to see that God did it. And here's the thing about anybody waiting on a kairos in your life. Anybody waiting on a kairos? Maybe I didn't explain that well enough. That's when God shows up. Anybody waiting on a kairos? Anybody waiting on a call saying you got the job? Anybody waiting on a call saying, Mama, I've come to Jesus and turned my life around? Amen. Anybody waiting on a call from the doctor saying we scanned you and can't find anything? Amen. You're waiting on Kairos. This is the thing about Kairos. You can't force Kairos to happen. But when God brings it, the whole world can't stop it from happening. God's got some Kairos ahead of us. I believe with all my heart, God's got a Kairos moment for your life. I believe with all my heart, God's got a Kairos moment, Kairos moment for the United States of America. Anybody else believing that God's going to do something big in our nation to bring truth and justice to our nation in a powerful way? Anybody believing for that? God's got some Kairos for the United States of America. We want him to work on it. He's working on us. And he's preparing the ground for things to happen in his perfect time. Now, this is a big day at the church. This will easily be the biggest weekend we've ever had in attendance. And again, remember, we're not about packing out a building, but we're going to celebrate when it happens. I told you we had about 500 people here on Thursday night, so we'll easily break our attendance record that we've ever had, and that's a wonderful, historic day for us. wasn't always easy. There was a lot of chronos as we waited for the kairos. A lot of chronos as we waited for the kairos. There was a time back in about 1998 that we were growing and God was sending people, 1998, 1999, and we were in a small building over on Washington Street, a beautiful building, a beautiful place, but it just, we didn't fit in there anymore. Went to two services and went to three on Sunday morning. One time I was, at one point, I was preaching three sermons on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, and one on Wednesday night. That's where all these gray hairs came from. And we, man, we were looking for somewhere to go. We tried to buy land around us. We couldn't find any. Nothing was for sale. Thought we got to move. One fellow in the church, he's here this morning. I don't know if he's in here right. Is Pete in here right now? He's working with the kids right now. He's in there in children's ministry. Pete got me in the truck and drove me out here to this property and said, this is where we need to be. There was a big old house sitting here. He's on a hill. The house was about as high as the tech booth out back there, and that's about where it's at. Big old ranch house, and I didn't know what we would do with that. I didn't believe him. And the biggest thing was, this wasn't for sale. Property wasn't even on the market. I said, Pete, we can't buy it. It's not for sale. He said, oh, it will be. I said, All right. He kept on telling me, this is the place we're supposed to be. I kept on saying, it's not for sale. 
God's not in it. It's not for sale. Oh, it will be. He finally called me one day, and we just almost argued on the phone. If you've ever tried to argue with Pete, good luck with that. Don't, don't try that. You will lose every time. We were on the phone one day, and he was arguing with me. This was the place. I said, it's not, Pete. It's not for sale. This is back in the day of call waiting. He said, I'm getting a beep. Any of y'all remember that? You could get a beep, and that meant somebody else was trying to talk to you. All right. He said, I'm getting a beep. I'll call you back. He was off the phone about 20 minutes. Then he called me back. He said, uh-huh. I said, what was that? He said, that was a call telling me the property's for sale. And they'll sell it to us, and they're not even going to put it on the market. They're going to sell it to us before anybody even knows it's for sale. We bought 25 acres out here for $415,000. Can anybody say, woo-hoo-hoo? That was a kairos for this church that put us right here on this property where all those people, all these people are showing up every week. And we waited and waited, and God showed up. He's going to show up for you, too. He's going to show up in your situation, too. I know that with all my heart. Amen? Amen. Let's worship together. You can remain seated. Matt, Matt's going to lead us.
I went to talk to Pastor Andy and Alexa on my way home and as I sat there in their living room and while they prayed over me, God whispered to my heart that in fact it would be okay. And I specifically remember the words, trust me. That night we told the boys each individually, it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my entire life. It was awful. Um, I started feeling really angry that night. And why did I have to look each of my boys in the face and tell them this horrible news? And as I sat there and reminded each of the boys of God's goodness and of his faithfulness, I heard God say to me again, trust me. We ended up spending the weekend going from family member to family member's home, telling them about my diagnosis. And it was a really hard and emotional weekend. That weekend, God gave me a peace, a deep, deep peace. We had to wait on some test results about the smaller details of what type of breast cancer it was. And while I was there waiting, we met with a surgeon and he gave us a lot of information to think about. He said we'd have to wait on all the results before we could fully come up with a battle plan. In the waiting, while I didn't feel like God was showing off in big, huge ways, I could feel that deep, deep peace he had given me and I knew that he was with me. The results all came back one by one, and I have triple positive breast cancer that is aggressive. We were immediately sent to an oncologist and have received a tentative treatment plan. I've had many tests and some diagnostic imaging. And while there's been a lot of waiting, again in the waiting, while I didn't feel God was showing off in big, huge ways, I could feel that deep, deep peace he had given to me. It had grown into a deep, settled peace. Settled, meaning that no one and nothing could take that away from me. A nurse told me that my faith would play a key role in my journey, and she told me that the battle in my mind needed to remain in my faith and to keep hope. I knew that was from the Lord. As the waiting is long some days, and I often say out loud when my mind wanders, take captive every thought and make it obedient to the will of Christ. I remember not to fear, for God is with me, and He strengthens me and helps me and holds me up with his right hand. I remember that he is my strength and my song, and he has given me victory. I remember that he will keep me with peace as long as my mind stays focused on him and I trust in him. And I remember that he's my shelter in the presence of trouble, and I can hide under his wings. I remember that he has redeemed me and called me by name. And when I walk through the water, he's with me. And when I walk through the rivers, he won't let it consume me. And when I walk through the fire, he won't let me While the waiting is long and sometimes lonely, I know that He is there even if He goes far away. And I'm trusting Him for complete healing and victory. I know that He will do it. I can look back on different times in my life and pinpoint God's faithfulness time and time again. And I know that He will be faithful to me. For your glory, 
part of Galatians 4. Galatians 4 and verse 5 says this about the coming of Jesus. Paul said, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Jesus, when he died on the cross, purchased our freedom. So anything that is holding you in bondage is broken by the cross of Jesus Christ. Then it says this, so that he could adopt us as his very own children so he could bring us into the family of God. Would you bow your heads right now? We're going to pray together. And I want to ask a question before we do. I'm not going to embarrass anyone at all. We won't call you out or separate you or make you do anything. I just want to ask you, who here today would say, Pastor, I want to say yes to Jesus Christ this morning. Easter Sunday, I'm saying yes to Jesus over my life. Can I see your hand right now? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Are there others? Thank you so much. Anybody else? It's dark. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else today? I'm, yeah, I see one more back there. Thank you so much. Awesome. One more over here. Thank you so much. God bless y'all so much. I want to pray with you right now. Before I do, how many would say I'm in that season of waiting? Like that feels like that three days, or maybe it feels like that 1,400 years. I'm waiting on some kairos right now. Pray for me that I can wait well and focus on the promise and realize God's working. Can I see your hands right now? I'm in that moment, a bunch of them right now, praying for you right now. I want to pray first of all with those saying yes to Christ. And I want you all just to pray with me. The church is going to help us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I ask you today to forgive my sin come into my heart be my savior be my lord and from this day forward i live for you i follow you by your grace can we celebrate today people saying yes to jesus christ now lord i just pray right now for those who are in a season of waiting and i ask you god Touch them in a mighty way this morning. Encourage their hearts with your word. God, speak a promise to people right now. As they open their Bibles or as they go to prayer, I pray by your Holy Spirit, your word will come alive in their lives and they will receive a promise to cling to. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand starting next week? Now, we know Jesus wasn't crazy. Don't offend any church people this morning, but uh, he did some crazy stuff. Amen. Can I get an amen? Jesus did some crazy stuff. We're going to talk about the five craziest things that Jesus ever did. And we start next week with Jesus putting a mud pie in a guy's eye. 
that happened. We're going to learn what that's all about and what we have to learn from all that stuff. Jesus spit in a man's eye. He put his fingers in a man's ear. He cursed a fig tree. He killed a herd of pigs. On Mother's Day, we're going to talk about how Jesus talked back to his mama. That may have been the craziest thing he ever did, right? Next five, six weeks, crazy Jesus. Then, uh, excited about that. Then I'm super excited about, and I want you to mark your calendars for this. Saturday night, April 23rd, Saturday, the Blue Ridge Honor Team flies a group of veterans. They take a plane full of veterans to Washington, D.C., and they take them to the World War II Monument, to the Vietnam Monument, to the Korean War Monument, and that plane will be filled with veterans. They're flying back into the Asheville Airport Saturday night, and the one thing they need help with more than anything else is to give them a huge welcome home. Many, many of the veterans on that plane are Vietnam veterans. And if you know anything about the history of the Vietnam War, it was so controversial and so politically charged that a lot of our Vietnam veterans did not get a welcome home. Many of them got spat on when they came home. Many of them couldn't even get a cab from the airport when they got home. They weren't honored. Let me tell you, we've got a a chance Saturday to right some wrongs. I believe all our veterans should be honored. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And so we are partnering with many other people and some other churches. And the goal is to absolutely pack out the Asheville Airport on that Saturday. So a Saturday night, April 23rd, if you could be at the Ag Center right across from the airport at 7.30, there'll be a bus to shuttle everybody over. The airport is requiring everybody to wear masks. Not everybody likes that. But let me tell you, I'll put a bag over my head if I have to to honor a veteran, okay? So don't let that get knock you out of this night. We're going to go honor these veterans. They're going to come off that plane, and we're going to welcome them home in a huge way. So if you could be at the Ag Center, 7.30 Saturday night, April the 23rd, we'll welcome these veterans home in a big way. You ready for that? I'm excited. I believe we can pack that place out. All right. I'm ready to bless you today. We bless here. If you would, just lift your hands if you feel comfortable doing that to receive this blessing straight out of God's Word. Here's what it says. Paul said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world but also in the world to come God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of his church and the church that's you is his body and is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself you are blessed with the fullness of Christ filling your life this week by the Holy Spirit. Now I commission you, go out of this place and take Jesus everywhere you go. Make Him manifest in our community. Love y'all. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Love you so much. Thanks for being here. Be careful going out. There's a lot of people coming in. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.